I was having a conversation earlier today about purpose. It's one of these one of these subjects that everybody talks about, but how do you even know when you're really truly in purpose? You know when I've seen it and and when I've known it for sure that I was there. I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew because every time I felt in purpose, it seemed to knock somebody else into purpose too. When I'm in purpose in my house, my wife moves in purpose. When I'm in purpose at, at work, my colleagues are in purpose. Something about purpose is a domino effect. But how do you know when to get there and how to get there? I've been thinking about it so much lately, and I think that this conversation is going to be one that's going to knock a whole bunch of other people into their own purpose. See, one thing that you need to understand is my purpose ain't supposed to look like yours. The way that God made you is uniquely, divinely like you, and he made me to be uniquely and divinely like me. And my next guest now, I'm going to tell you now, for those of you who are watching, I don't even want to bring him on the camera. I was actually thinking about just doing an audio recording today because of the way he's trying to flex on me in a way that I think is disrespectful. But I will bring him on the camera anyway. For those of you who are listening, you're going to you're going to miss out on the sights here. <laughs> this man's shoe game is off the charts. So without further ado, uh, Nobles Darby the Fourth, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. Yo, appreciate you, man. Man, listen, I was trying not to come on screen laughing, but <laughs> that, that that intro at the tail end it, it got me, man. It's it's not a flex, bro. Like I told you guys beforehand, because of the level of this podcast, the excellence that it's done in, you know, it was only right that I stepped my uh, background game up today. So did you have to say stepped up with your yeah. shoes? Stepped. I Absolutely. You, you picked that word by accident, huh? I, I, absolutely. No, it's all <laughs> this is all intentional. It's all intentional. But beautiful. No, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So when I spoke about purpose, that's what I thought about when I thought of you getting a chance. I, I don't know you personally, uh, but when when Jason, the producer, he started talking to me about you and the things that you do. Actually, let me tell you how this really happened. This is this was random, so everybody can hear it. <clears throat> so I'm I'm on Facebook one day. And I see a graphic come up and it's the Cleveland Browns and they're announcing their new co-chaplain. And I see it on Facebook and I send Jason a message and I say, I want to talk to that guy. <laughs> In part because as a man of God, I want to know if the chaplain actually knows God because I can't watch no more losing, dog. I can't watch no more losing, right? And so, <laughs> and yeah. so I message Jason and I say, I want to talk to that guy. And Jason yeah. goes... Oh, I know him. I'll get him on the show. <laughs> I was like, oh, for real? He said, yeah. yeah. So that's actually how this happened, which is so funny. Okay. And um, I see the Browns jersey too, man. Appreciate you putting on for the city, bro. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So and you do so much more than that, though, obviously. But yeah. go ahead and just tell um, the audience a little bit about what you do, because you do so much to inspire people and change lives. So let them know that, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, absolutely. So again, uh, just thank you guys for this opportunity to be on the uh, Hope Rising podcast. I've watched several episodes and I know the caliber of the content that you all put out. And so I just feel honored to be able to contribute to this phenomenal platform. And I love how you led in at the beginning, just talking about purpose, because really that is the, uh, the heartbeat um, of my life story. You know, it's everywhere that I am, everything that I'm doing now is really contingent upon be identifying what that purpose is. Uh, just earlier today, I was speaking at a sports and mental health summit for high school boys, and I referenced the quote, 
that says there's two really important days in your life. One, the day that you're born. Secondly, the day you find out why. And, you know, just to give a little bit of my background, I'm the son of a preacher. I grew up in church. Uh, Pretty much everyone in my family was a minister of the gospel. I was the church drummer. Um, I was also playing sports at the time. So heavily involved with sports from, you know, a real, real early age, Um, you know, always had some type of ball in my hand, you know, played basketball, football, baseball, and just fell in love with it. But I also developed a very early relationship with Christ. Uh, As a matter of fact, I received salvation at the age of seven on my way to my mom dropping me off uh, the first grade. You know, I, I just felt like I just wanted to Uh, know what it was to walk with the Lord early on. And so at 13, I'll never forget my grandfather, who was my pastor at the time, held a special prayer service and basically said, if there's anything that you want from God, uh, just pray to receive it tonight. And so it was the first time I experienced uh, the Holy Spirit. And to be honest, it freaked me out. I didn't know, but I just felt this voice compelling me and urging me to go to the front where my grandfather was. And so make a very long story short, Uh, I sat down and my grandfather looked at me and he says, I knew you were coming up here. And I thought to myself immediately, what have I gotten myself into? And so I just said, you know, granddad, I want to know God's purpose for me. Um, That was literally my exact uh, verbiage to him. And so he gave me some scriptures to read. And I knew probably within about a couple of days that I was called to preach and teach the gospel. Now, out of fear, I ran from that calling or that purpose of for course three you did. years. Of course yeah, you did. Absolutely. But at 16, I realized that God wasn't changing his mind about what he called me to. And as I look back, it's so interesting because in the locker room, uh, being involved with team sports, I was always the guy where, you know, uh, my teammates would say, hey, no, lead us with, uh, with a prayer, you know, before we go out, you know, onto the field or, you know, uh, pray for us. So, you know, God will protect us from injuries and so we can have great success and all these things. And I was just trying to be one of the guys, you know, I didn't want to walk into that, but I couldn't get away from it no matter how hard I tried. And so at 16, I accept my call to ministry at the same time that I'm playing sports. Little did I know that at 16, me saying yes uh, would open the door for the things that I'm walking in now as it pertains to sports ministry. So again, to make a very long story short, I go away to college. I'm on a full scholarship at Bowling Green State University where my grandfather, that same grandfather who I asked about, you know, what was God's will for my life? He passes away unexpectedly and dies from a heart attack. And so at 68 years old, you know, no one knew he was sick. And that rocked my world as a freshman at at BG. And I was really just trying to cope with losing someone that close to me. And I didn't know how to deal with the trauma. I knew to pray, uh, but I didn't know what else to do with the things that I was feeling. And so I tasted alcohol for the first time. And little did I know that was going to lead to a downward spiral uh, to where the full scholarship that I had, I had to appeal with the admissions office to get it back, headed into my sophomore uh, year. And so, you know, I I do that. They allow me the scholarship uh, or grant me the scholarship. I get back on campus and I go to uh, the first icebreaker that we have. And, um, you know, I do exactly what I said I wasn't going to do. I consume alcohol again. 
Um, you know, I, I stopped going to uh, practices. I stopped, uh, you know, being around teammates and friends. I, I, I began to sleep in my dorm room till three, four o'clock in the afternoon every day, completely lost sight of what I was supposed to be doing, who I was, um, you know, got involved with the wrong people on campus. And, you know, in December of 2006, reality hit home when I got a letter from that same university that I had been suspended from a year scholarship had been completely taken and I had a 1.06 GPA. Um, and, and so as I'm looking at that letter, like really everything to that point in life, uh, was a, was a mystery to me because I couldn't real I couldn't, uh, stomach the fact that I allowed myself to become so far gone from the Christian morals, principles, and values that my parents and grandparents had instilled. Um, but little did I know that God's hand was still on my life. And so fast forward. Let me, let me let me slow you down right here oh, because yeah. because before you go to where where we're at now because I know we got a couple more steps. Yeah, I want everybody to grasp what all you've said because you've lived a whole lifetime in this story. Yeah. So thirteen years, thirteen years old, you say yes. Yeah. Then you run. No, I said no. Yeah. Thirteen. <laughs> yeah, I said no at first. Right. You yeah. say sounds good. I right. walk up. I walk down the aisle. Exactly. Then you like. No, nah, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> 16 years old, you say yes. Yeah. Now 19 years old, life hits, tragedy hits. Yeah. And then all of the temptations of life hit. Yeah. And now to the point where you've lost your scholarship, you've lost football, which is one of your first loves. You lost grandpa. Yeah. And yeah. you've got a one point, what was it? 1.0? 1.06. He still tells us the six. Yeah. You know, you know the six don't matter when you at a certain when you, <laughs> that's thanks. Hey, 1.06. Yeah, All right. I just wanted wanted everybody to really truly grasp that where we are in this story. Okay. Yeah. And so you're what, 19, 20 years old at this point? Yeah, I was 19 at that time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Keep keep going. Yeah, so 19 at that time, and that was the first time that, uh, unknowingly, but as I look back, that I realized I dealt with depression. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I was still dealing with the trauma of my grandfather passing, thought I was over it. And, you know, the thing about uh, growing up as a Christian, uh, there are certain topics that are taboo in the church. 100%. Things we really don't do a good job of bringing light to, um, mental health being one of those things. Mm -hmm. um, and again, mental health was not really a buzzword that it is now, back then. You mm -hmm. know, we're talking about 2006. People were still trying to figure out what mental health was, right? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, I come back home and, you know, I'm just in a, a deep, dark, depressive state. I stopped working out. I put on like, you know, an absorbent amount of weight. I'm just eating whatever. And again, I'm still sleeping, you know, till late in the afternoon. And I'll never forget my parents were literally beating down uh, the door of my bedroom, you know, telling me you can't keep living like this. You got to figure your life out. And so there was one particular day and I'll never forget it for as long as I live. I'm in the bathroom and I'm having suicidal thoughts. Now, I had mm. never been a person that had ever thought about, you know, taking my life or, you know, ending it or quitting, you know, being an athlete, I was always a competitor and willing to go the last mile. But I just felt that I was at a point that I didn't know how to escape, you know, the pain of the reality that I was living in. And so I'm, I'm staring in the bathroom mirror, tears streaming down my face, and the wind and the rain is beating up on the window uh, right outside the bathroom. And the one thing that I did remember to do, uh, my grandfather told me, 
you could always call out to God, always pray to him, always ask him to help you. And that's exactly what I did. I said, Lord, if you just give me one more opportunity to make this thing right, I promise I'll serve you for the rest of my life. And I kid you not, literally when I stopped that prayer, it felt like the weight of the world came off my shoulders and the rain and wind stopped and the sunlight came beaming into the bathroom window. And I felt as though that was God's way of letting me know that I had another chance, that he had afforded me his grace and his mercy to get back in the race, right? And so, uh, because that's really, at the end of the day, what we're all running is our own individual races. And I had to realize that the only way I lose is if I fail to realize that Jesus died so I could get back up and mm. run again. And I so, want to I want to I want to keep you at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. You're sitting in this room. Yep. That heaviness that you just described is something most people don't know how to articulate when they feel it. Yeah. Right? They f- they feel the the weight of the world is the only way we ever call it. <laughs> right. <laughs> they right. feel the burden, the heaviness, and they feel like they're going to drown within their self. Yeah. You're feeling that weight. You said, God, if you just let me out of this. Yeah. Did you know that God heard prayer? Did you know? Like, I know you heard God that one day when you were 13, but since yeah. then, did you really know that God could communicate with you in that moment somehow? Oh, absolutely. I knew it just from a uh, lived experience. You know, mm-hmm. one of the things that I didn't share because, you know, man, there's so many stories I could point to, mm-hmm. but I'll bring my dad into this. Well, when I was 16, Right after I accepted my call to ministry, uh, December of 2000, and that would be, uh, man, let's see, I was born in 86, so that was 2002. December of 2002, New Year's Year's Eve service, my father at 40 years old has his first massive heart attack, Mm. right? As a result of, you know, just stress and different things he was dealing with. Um, And that began a period of about four or five years where he'd have three massive heart attacks and a triple bypass surgery. And so I'm living through this. I have two younger sisters. We're living through this, um, you know, as people that grew up in church that always, you know, worship and praise to the good God that we serve, right? Right, You know, so that even challenged uh, my faith in some aspects. But I knew through watching my father, who never complained, who never once cursed God, who never asked God, why me? It really strengthened my faith to know that when I came to a dire situation, well, shoot, I'm just going to demonstrate what I saw my father do. You know, I really love the story of uh, Moses and Joshua Mm -hmm. in the Bible, right? Because Moses passes on. But the reason Joshua was able to move forward confidently in authority is because he watched what Moses modeled in front of him. That's Mm -hmm. why he told him, listen, don't be afraid. Be courageous. The Lord your God is with you. And, And that's how I felt. Shoot, if, 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 if God could pull my dad through that, certainly he can pull me through this situation that I'm in that didn't seem as bad as, you know, a heart attack, right? And so I knew that God heard prayer, and I, I literally felt the presence of his peace. I felt the presence of his grace, and I felt his spirit come for me in a way that was real for me. You know, because this is the thing that, you know, you have to understand whether you grew up in church or whether you didn't, uh, you know— your parents' faith can't be your faith. Oh, say that one more time for the people in the back. <laughs> yeah, your, your parents' faith, your, your grandma's faith, your aunts and uncles. Because again, the majority of my family was ministers. But I had to realize, well, no, you got to make sure that God is real to you. 
You have to know that, you know, he speaks to you, that he's given you power. He's given you authority. Like, you know, he's given you an anointing to walk in what he's called you to. And so, you know, I, I feel God's grace. I feel that he gave me that second chance and to push the story forward a little bit further. Uh, with that second chance, I realized, OK, I feel like I got some momentum. I got some wind back in my sails and I got to get back. I got to get back in the fight. So I go enroll at a community college. And I'm so focused, so determined and locked in that I make the dean's list for like the first time ever. <laughs> and like, I'm like, man, like I ain't no life could feel this good. Right? So, you know, I'm so focused. Like I, I do that a couple semesters. Um, I then transfer uh, from that community college to a four year university here in Cleveland. Uh, I wound up walking the stage, which was huge in and of itself, because, you know, I always tell people jokingly, it took me seven years to get a four year degree. But, you know, it's all good. Like se seven. Yeah. It took me longer. Let, let okay. me be very clear. I'm not going to tell you how long it took me just because I'm not about to feel some type of way on the camera on my own show. I'm not going to do that. But it took me longer. I'm going to just say that. <laughs> hey, you already felt some way about the shoes, so we can stay in that same vein. Hey, 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 I'm not about to sit in front of your shoe rack and put myself. <laughs> Let's put it this way. I started I started college uh, the, the year you're talking about. So 2002. Okay. Uh, and I graduated from college in 2018. Hey, listen. How about that? But you was you remain committed to the process. I, I recommitted to the process. I went hey. back. <laughs> e either way you finish, though. That's it. That's oh, it. I get it, man. And, and that's the beauty of it, right? It's, it's just our journey. Um, because, you know, I realized early on my life and, and the stories and the challenges that I go through, as I'm sure you've realized, are not about us. But it's to be able to have opportunities like this to share so that those are listening that may have been in similar situations or find themselves in the midst of a storm right now can have hope that they can, too, rise out of, you know, whatever it is that they're dealing with. I had to throw the tagline. I, I was about to so, say, I see what you did there. Yeah, I, I see, see what you did there. <laughs> you, you know, and and there's something else that, that, I, that I realized, too, that God knows about us that we don't always know about ourselves. I was, I was teaching the very story you just mentioned the other day about... Moses and Joshua. And the one thing that it's easy to forget is that this is the same Joshua who went to the promised land and looks and sees the giants and says, oh, no, I think we can take those giants. Mm -hmm. And so Moses... Moses was afraid of his call. Moses, Moses did everything to weasel his way out of his call. Yeah. Joshua might have still felt fear, but mm -hmm. he was a whole nother level of warrior. Yeah. And so sometimes when God is delivering you from a place or rescuing you from a place, he's let you see parts of yourself so you know the dog. See, the dog came out on the football field. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? The dog came out on the line. So I know what I've got in me. And now he gets to say, okay, are you ready to do this for me now? Let me focus it. Let me hone it. And that's the beautiful thing because it's because the people aren't just watching a human in God's hands. They're watching nobles in God's hands. Right. That's that's yes, a special sir. kind of anointing right there. Yes, that's sir. something special. Yes, sir. No, that's good, man. And, you know, it really leads well into where I was getting ready to go next, mm -hmm. because at the time that I graduated. So this is 2012. I still had that desire uh, for sports. Now, I, I knew that playing probably wasn't an option mm -hmm. anymore at that point but i also had a passion for ministry still and growing up we had pro athletes in our family on my mom and dad's side nfl nba and i saw those that had a relationship with christ and, and what their careers looked like i saw those that didn't you know so on and so forth but 
I ultimately just felt called to that space. Mm -hmm. And I just began to pray. You know, I said, Lord, would you just open up a door for me to work in sports ministry? Um, that was that was my heart. And I wasn't going to let up off of that until God answered that very prayer. And so, you know, to, to what, what instills that thing? Is that grandpa? Is that dad? What is that? That's 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 both of them. That's yeah. both of them. You know, yeah. I saw my grandfather, uh, you know, build a church from the ground up in mm. Ohio. You know, and I literally, literally remember just seeing uh, the vision on paper. You know, and then I remember being there as a kid when they broke ground, and you began to see, you know, the the building itself be built. You know, the my dad going through his health challenges, his unwavering faith. And so, you know, I, I put it like this, man, I've seen too much to not trust God. You know, I, I've seen it lived out in such a way to where, you know, people would say it's, it's crazy to believe the way, you know, that I do. But in my mind, why not believe that way? You know, <laughs> it's crazy we, for you to God, not believe that way. Hey, you know, you feel me? Like if we serve a God that can do everything but fail, like why not try him at his word? And that's just, you know, what I said, like, Lord, I believe you can open this up because it's not something that I want to be in to be famous. I just want to be effective. You know, I'm not in it to be a celebrity. Like I'm not here for photo ops. I just want to be able to serve. And I and and, and go back to when I first received my calling. Like, please believe that my grandfather is still serving at an early age. Like literally, I would preach a message in the pulpit. After service was over, all right, now straighten up them uh, them chairs. And, I know that's right. And, you know, sweep under the pews, that type of deal. And so I learned that service was not what you do in front of the people, but it's what you do, right, that really impacts people beyond just the platform that you have. And, and so, you know, that, so when I, uh, I want to say this was 2018. So, you know, this is a six-year journey. During those six years, you know, I meet the woman that I'd eventually marry. Um, I worked odd end jobs, um, a lot of retail, um, but there was one particular job. This was uh, around 2017, a year after me being married. I was working for nine dollars an hour selling sneakers at a retail store. Like, <laughs> and so the, clearly, you can see my passion for sneakers. Like, absolutely, is 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 is, uh, is there. Uh, but I never thought I'd be doing that as a 30 year old man. And this is not to knock anybody that's in retail. It just wasn't the vision that I had for my life at that point. Um, but true story, man, for a year and a half, for a year and a half, you know, I get up every day, put that T-shirt, that badge around my neck. I go in and swipe and I would just confess, God, you have greater for me. And I did that for a year and a half. And, and, and the significance in that is there was no talk of there even being a position anywhere for sports ministry. There was no evidence. There was no conversation. Nobody was reaching out and said, hey, man, in about six months, get back to us. There was no evidence of it. But my faith chose to rise in a situation where I was determined that God was going to pull me out of. And so for a year and a half, I did that. And lo and behold, one of my friends who was working for the organization I work for now uh, calls me and he says, hey, man, there's a position that just opened up in Cleveland because the guy that was going to accept it turned it down because he said he felt God had it for someone else. And so <laughs> true story, man. True story. And so I came into this wonderful organization that I have the pleasure to serve in called Fellowship of Christian Athletes or FCA, which for those that may not know, since 1954, we are an organization that has leveraged the platform of sport as a way to evangelize the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are currently in about 120 countries all over the world with 300 plus staff. And I have the pleasure 
of serving as the director uh, for Cleveland. So all of our initiatives, you know, with our sole mission being to lead every coach and athlete into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and his church. And that was just the beginning because through coming in the FCA, opportunities opened up uh, for me to come in, be co-chaplain for the Cavs. Um, and then as recently as a month ago to come in and now be the new uh, co-chaplain for the Cleveland Browns. So really my story is just one of uh, your mistakes don't have to define you, but they really can help define who you allow yourself to become. You know, I, I never gave up on myself. I always believed that there was a, a bigger picture. And, you know, I love the scripture where it talks about, you know, this Paul and Philippians. Uh, he says, listen, it's not that I've achieved anything, but the one thing that I do is I press toward that mark. And, you know, some of you may be listening to this, watching this right now, and you may feel like you're at rock bottom. Uh, that you've met your match, that you don't know how you're going to get past where you are. How are you possibly going to be able to rise? And where's the hope going to come from for you to believe that there's greater? Well, Romans 8 and 18 tells us that what we currently suffer is not worthy to be compared to the glory that God is soon going to reveal. So I would encourage you uh, to accept your suffering, not run from it, embrace it with the understanding that God is using it according to Romans 8:28 to work not just some things but all things together for your good because he loves you you called and you have a purpose. I'm literally only on this podcast to to share this testimony not because of anything that I've done but because of God's grace and his purpose and call on my life and I'm just praying that what you hear on this particular episode will help you find the hope to rise above the situations that you're in because we serve a God that can do anything but fail and do the exceedingly and abundantly in your life according to Ephesians 3 and 20. So that's my story, man. Well, now that I'm ready to run through a wall for Jesus, uh, <laughs> Lord have mercy. So so everybody has, is listening to this. By the way, I, I realized earlier while you were talking, I did a terrible job uh, for the people who are just listening on the podcast and can't see. So all of the the references we've made to shoes are because he's sitting basically in front of a wall of shoes, okay? Yeah. Uh, and he, his, his kit collection is quite impressive. You've got Appreciate every color behind him. I needed to say that out loud so that they heard <laughs> it before I pivot away from there, right? Yes, sir. And so... Here you are, you, you've gone from, from helpless, hopeless, broken, to now you are not only giving hope to teenage athletes, college athletes, people uh, of every different background, um, to the coaches and, you know, to, to literally the, the people in the office, everybody you walk, you just got on here and preached a sermon. So I'm pretty sure if they walk by <laughs> you in the hallway, you got a word for them. Yeah. And now also God has put you in a, in a, in a, a position of here's the word influence influence yeah. yeah and what i love about that is not that you have influence because of the fact that you are just so charismatic that you deserve to have influence you have influence because of authenticity yeah that you are who you say you are in yeah. every area that when you when you got backstage with us you were the same person you are right now as they're hearing you speak Talk to us a little bit about authenticity because there's some people, let's be honest, they lack it. They're yeah. one person in church. They're, they're one person when they're preaching or teaching or doing whatever. Yeah. They're one person in the in the boardroom. Yeah. They're another person at home with their family. Yeah. How, how does a person get to that place of authenticity? What do you say to that person? Yeah, no, I love that question, man, because to be honest, you know, what you what you are seeing and hearing 
uh, today, it took time, you know, to develop that, especially because growing up in church, you know, the way that we did, I grew up in a very strict Christian household. We were told so often that, you know, certain things are just wrong. So, for example, you know, we weren't allowed to listen to secular music. Um, We weren't allowed to go to prom, you know, things like that. And so, you know, me being on my own away uh, at college for the first time, naturally, I wanted to run towards the things that I was told are so bad. And, you know, it, it forced me to reckon with my identity, you know, to be authentic, to be my true self. And it's not so much that, you know, we have to run to different things to discover who we are. But I do believe the situations that we find ourselves in as a result of what we've run to, those are the lessons that we can take to help us discover who we are, right? Because I never wanted to be, you know, the the guy that was so Jesus that I just couldn't be like real, that I couldn't just hold a normal conversation, right? You know, and so- uh, to, well, to Hold t- on, let me, t- let me, let me, this is what you actually mean, right? Yeah. You want to actually be like Jesus, not how people portray Jesus. Facts. Jesus Absolutely. was the one who was just hanging out with the regular, ordinary folk. Yeah. It was yeah. the religious people who were like, Jesus, why right. you having dinner with them? Right. Jesus, why are you <laughs> yeah. over here spending time over there? So yeah. really what you're doing is you're mm-hmm. actually showing them Jesus. Absolutely. Instead of what the world has made Jesus to be, the squeaky, moppy. Absolutely. No, Jesus <laughs> t- t- pushed over tables to Facts. call people snakes and viper. No, th- hey, Jesus man, was a little different. He, was, he wasn't <laughs> soft. He wasn't no punk. That's for sure. Come on. And, and you know, for me, uh, to really just kind of cap this, uh, I, I got asked this um, by the Browns, you know, during the process of uh, them considering if I would be, you know, the the guy to come in. And I got asked really a similar question. Um, it wasn't what makes you authentic. It's what makes you relatable, which, you know, the two really go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I've developed what I believe, you know, are my R's of, you know, just ministry. So uh, one is I'm going to be righteous because I believe that anytime you are in a position of influence, especially as a believer, that you have to live above reproach. You have to live according to the scripture and you can't allow your good to be evil spoken of, as the Bible tells us. So I got to be righteous. You know, I'm a married man. Uh, My wife and I have had our first child five months ago. So I'm a father. Congratulations! I appreciate it, man. He's Nobles the Fifth. We call him Cinco because he's number five. So let's go. Yeah. And and please believe his room is is about to look like what you see behind me. So we we starting him at the seeds are being planted at an early age. And I love it. Out. <laughs> I love so, uh, it. I have to be righteous. Like, you know, I'm a husband, I'm a father. So I want to live according to what the word says. Second is I want to be real. You know, like what you see is what you get, you know. And so being authentic is showing up as your authentic self, no matter what environment you're in. This is the beauty um, that, that I love when it comes to being a chaplain. I'm not coming in a, in a suit and tie. Like literally how you see me right now is how I pull up in the locker room. Um, you know, sneakers, tattoos, earrings, a beard, like I'm real. You know what I'm saying? This is exact. I'm not trying to be somebody that I'm not. I love it. Be real. I'm showing up as my authentic self. Um, the third is I want to be relatable, you know, again. So, you know, to who I am, um, I believe that as believers, especially when we're in certain industries, whether it's entertainment, sports, the arts, whatever the case may be, um, we don't have to compromise. You know, we're in the world, but of course we're not of it. But I do need to be aware of what's going on, you know, culturally. And so, you know, again, I, I love shoes and I affectionately call them Gentile bait 
because uh <laughs> <laughs> you said gentile bait gentile bait yeah <laughs> man so listen you know you, you're in a locker room with millionaires sometimes billionaire athletes who may not have a relationship with god but they see something they can relate to in the shoes that you have on and like that opens up the opportunity to develop relationship and do life with those guys because that's really what i'm looking to do is just a disciple to build life on life relationships but it starts from them seeing something they can identify with and then last that i just want to be relevant you know Mm. we we can speak to what's happening in culture because there's evidence in scripture of what's going on now has already happened before but let's approach it through a spiritual lens you know let's turn culture on itself and see what jesus had to say about it man so to be to be righteous, to be real, to be relevant, um, and to be relatable. You know, because honestly, man, just going back to real real quick, I had to understand that transparency is not the same as vulnerability. Mm, tell, tell us that difference. What is that difference? So I can be transparent, you know, and saying, hey, uh, this is what I want you to hear. This is what I want you to see at the expense of being quote unquote real. But if I'm vulnerable, I'm willing to go underneath the service. See, sometimes when we're transparent, it's still service level because we really don't want to truly, truly expose who we are, what we're dealing with, our proclivities and things of that nature. But if I'm vulnerable, now understand also that you have to reach a place in relationship where the person can handle your vulnerability, especially as athletes, because I'm understanding and I'm identifying where they are in their walk with the Lord. So I don't want to be too vulnerable to the point to where Oh man, he struggled with that. Well, shoot, I'm cool because I'm still no. Listen, it's it's okay to struggle, but you also have to understand and pick and choose and allow the spirit to lead you when you share certain things and be vulnerable because we don't want what we've uh, been freed from to become a stumbling block for someone else or for them to be convinced. Well, it's okay if I stay in this a little bit longer. God calls us all, you know, to live righteous, to live holy, and so you know, with vulnerability, I still exercise caution. Um, but sometimes you do have to peel the layers back and allow people to see, you know, this is how real it was in order for them to also see just how real God got with you in that situation as well. So, you know, that that's really my approach, man. And, I, and what I believe is the difference of what I bring, you know, in, in this space as far as it pertains to just being my true authentic self. Yeah, well, well, what you're really doing is you're showing people God did not make you to 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 start turning to him and become phony. Right. He he actually says, turn to me and I'll make you you. Yep. The realest, most authentic, most vulnerable version of you. But vulnerability is one of those things. I'm I'm not so always supposed to take my shield off. Let's yeah. let's be let's be very clear. Sometimes I need to walk into a place with my armor. And right. there's sometimes where where going in without my armor is foolishness. Yeah. And then there's other times where the armor that God is giving me or the weaponry God has given me is my authenticity, my truth, my vulnerability, that that sometimes that's the toughest, strongest thing you have in the room is to say, no, I've been there. In fact, let me tell you how there I've been. And the reason I'm not scared to talk about it is because of everything I've seen on the other side. Man, and, and, and to piggyback off of that, man, um, you know, I love the example that the Bible gives us in 1 Samuel when David is getting ready to go conquer Goliath. And what does Saul do? Um, Saul tries to arm him with what he thinks he needs, right? So David knew, like, showing up as my authentic self is these five stones. Saul was like, no, 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 no. He's been a man of war since his youth, so I got to put you in what I use. But if you look at that story uh, really closely, the Bible says David took one or two steps, and he immediately realized, I can't go in this because it's unfamiliar to me. 
So how many times are we uh, preparing to enter situations or, or go into some place and, you know, or maybe a storm that you're in and people try to tell you what they think you need or people try to convince you, no, the way you're showing up isn't the way that you need to show up. You need to do it like this. When you know in your heart, God's called you to show up as your true authentic self. David said, listen, I can't go in this. I got to go with what he gave me. And we know the end of the story, man. He defeats Goliath with what God gave him. And so the moral of the story is anytime we're willing to be bold enough, even in the face of opinion, even in the face of even in the face of recommendations and suggestions and still show up and say, no, listen, I'm going to step into this as who God created me to be like you're going to come out victorious because it's what God has placed on you. It's his anointing that's on your life that guarantees that his people come out on top. So I just think that, man. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. I I remember there was this moment I had in my life. I was sitting down with somebody and I I was in the midst of my transition. I wasn't who I used to be. I wasn't quite who I was born to be. And I remember I was talking to somebody and I said, I just don't understand what God expects of me. (laughs) And she said, he just wants you to be Maurice. And I remember that made me so angry. I was like, and who is that? Right. But as I have gotten healthier and really grown into myself, it's like, no, really, he just wants me to be me. Because every time I play somebody else, I do a terrible job of standing in somebody else's role. But when I walk as authentically me and I don't hold back on being me, things happen. Absolutely. And, And there's so much to be said for that. So much to be said. So, so you you end up not only working with these basketball teams, working with the football teams, but I also see, I mean, you're traveling around to different events and churches and you're speaking to people and preaching to people. And, and so what is that that like for you, um, the fact that you have so many different types of venues that you can speak life into? Uh, like, do, does, do, does that present different challenges? Does that give you different life highs? What does that do for you, the fact that you have so much versatility? Yeah, I would say for me, man, it's it's what Paul talked about, uh, being all things to all men so that we might win some. Uh, I believe that God has, and I I say this humbly, but I believe that God has given me uh, a gifting to where, whether I'm in front of, um, you know, an older audience, a younger audience, a mix, uh, a certain ethnic group, whatever the case may be, um, because I'm leaning on him, I'm depending on him and his spirit. Uh, you know, as I prepare to walk into those particular situations, I'm still able to see the same God move no matter if the environment is different. Um, But again, that just comes from, you know, remaining dependent upon him, uh, not getting so full of, not ever getting full of myself, um, but allowing him to grace me and anoint me for that particular assignment. So for me, I always get, um, you know, the same, if not a higher high, so to speak, you know, speaking in different environments, because it's just always dope to see how God moves, you know, even in the midst of a situation that uh, you just don't know how he's going to move. You know, I've been in front of uh, evangelicals, I've been in front of, um, you know, Pentecostals, Baptists, uh, whatever the case may be, you know, but at the end of the day, because I'm confident enough to know that I'm walking in under the power, the authority, anointing of the Holy Spirit, like God is in control of the outcome. I just have to be obedient to the assignment. And I think that we can take pressure, so much pressure off of ourselves when we just remain obedient to what God's called us to and leave the consequences to hell. So mm. I never want to 
a uh, an engagement, an interview, whatever the case may be, um, expecting anything other than God showing up. Um, I take the pressure off of myself and just invite God to just really have control of what happens in that place, because that, in my opinion, is the greatest high of all. You know, to be able to leave, you know, a speaking engagement, to leave a church, to leave a locker room. And, you know, if if doesn't if no one but just one person comes up and shares, man, that was for me. God was speaking to me through that. Then, you know, that you've accomplished what God has sent you to do in that. And so, um, you know, that it's, it's always a high for me when I know that there's at least one. Um, that believes God spoke to them through what it was that he shared with me. So I really believe I'm comfortable in any and every environment um, because I can trust God to be who he is all the time, no matter how much the environment you know, may change. I truly believe that the way that you just worded some of that, you set somebody free. Some people feel like holiness is a burden in and of itself, right? That the burden that puts all of the pressure all of the weight on you to do perfectly and to do right. And what you just said is when I lean into faith and when I lean into God, it actually takes a lot of the pressure off of me yeah. and it puts it on God. Absolutely. And, and that that's something that somebody needed to hear today. Yeah. Hey man, listen, at the end of the day, Jesus was the perfect model to where if we look throughout the New Testament, anytime he performed a miracle, the Bible says he always got away. Mm. He always left. Because he understood, listen, the only reason this is happening is because I have a connection with my heavenly father. So the minute I lose that connectivity, John 15 and 5, you know, abide in me, I and you, you'll produce much fruit. The minute we lose that connection is the minute we stop being effective. So I don't ever want to get to a place and none of us should ever want to get to a place where we feel as though, nah, God, I'm straight. Like I got this. No, because it's if if it's the anointing that breaks yokes and things of that nature, it only comes from being tapped into the source that provides the anointing for those things to break anyway. So we just gotta stay plugged in, man. That is so true. And and there's one other thing that I noticed that Jesus does a lot in those moments, that he empowers them to do their role. How yeah. often do we see Jesus say, Your faith? has made you well. You believed in me and what I could do, so I did for you. Your part was the lean-in. Your part was the belief. Now, I'll give you the words. I'll give you the action. I'll give you the anointing, right? But your part is believe and do not doubt. Yeah. Be believe and don't grow weary, right? And so Absolutely. I think that there's so much to be said for that. Um, now, I don't want to take up too much of your time. And so as, as we begin to wrap, before I get into my last two questions, I do need to thank you. Okay. Yeah. Because as, he doesn't even know why. He thinks I'm, I'm about to say something deep. I'm not about to say nothing <laughs> deep at all. Okay. Let me be very clear. Yeah. Um, so as as a as a lifelong Cleveland Browns fan, I have to thank you for your prayer life because I see the <laughs> trades the team has made recently. <laughs> and so I'm not just gonna give yeah. all the credit to the GM <laughs> of the team, but I have to believe that the intercession happening on, on Lou oh, Groza Boulevard <laughs> has shifted something in the atmosphere. That's right? hilarious. So, so uh, one question that I do have is, yeah. I know that you probably grew up a, a Browns fan, a Cavs fan. You're working Definitely. with both teams. Is yeah. there something special about walking around in, a, in places that you've admired and loved and you get to intercede and speak fire and, pr and pray and just, you know, is there something special about that experience? It, it's, it's, I don't even really have words for it, man. My wife and I were just having a conversation recently and i share with her it's amazing when you experience or god allows you to experience the things you used to pray for right like there's there's no better place i feel 
than when you really get to live in what you used to dream about, what you used to ask God to open up doors. Remember, you know, my I didn't just fall in, you know, to pro sports ministry. There was a there was a season, seasons of preparation process. And so, you know, anytime I'm in the, that locker room, anytime I pull up to the facility, you know, of either team, uh, you know, the first thing I do, true story, I just say, God, thank you. You know, because I'm reminded of what it took to get there. You know, I have a lot of tattoos and, you know, I don't know if you can see it here, like on the inside of my wrist. Oh, man, I'm probably doing a bad job of showing this. Let me try they, to they can take... see it somewhat, th those who are watching. So that's uh, right there, 106. So that was my GPA, but it's in the... Uh, oh, the... but that's yeah, the time. It's the time on the clock because that was my wake-up call as well. And so I look at that tattoo because it... it I'm just going to say I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming at all. That's good. <laughs> yeah, man. It was my wake-up call because if I don't stay humble, if I don't stay locked in, you know, this is always around the corner, so to speak. You know, this person that I allow myself to become. And so, you know, when I'm interacting with players, with coaches, whatever the case may be, man, it's, it, it, it's such a gratifying feeling just to know, one, I'm in purpose, and I'm also helping these other guys to discover what their purpose is because for athletes, you know, and I can speak to this being a former athlete, what's so important are two things. We have to discover who we are outside of our accomplishments, you know, because so many times, you know, what we do on a quarter on the field, we feel defines us. But the second point is our identity is not attached to our performance. Our identity is attached to the fact that we were created in the image of God, right? To be light bearers to, for his glory to be revealed through our lives. And so, you know, for me to be in a position where I can help these guys understand how to leverage their platform of influence for the kingdom, there, there's no better feeling, no better job, no better assignment in the world, man. So I'm so blessed. And, you know, I'm just praying that, you know, being in these positions, man, we, we win some titles so your boy can get a little hardware up on that hand. Hey, I'll buy, I'll buy you a ring myself. I'm going to right, tell you right now, I'm buy you a ring myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I'm excited because I know my prayer life and I know Jason's prayer life and we about to be praying for you extra. So, you know, Super Bowl, uh, Super Bowl. Okay. Anyway, uh, I'm so I'm silly, but I I'm excited at the same time. All right. So in the remaining time that we have, I have, I have two more questions for you. And the next one, I know you've watched a couple episodes, but you may or may not have heard the question that I ask at the end. Hopefully you haven't. Uh, not everybody makes it all the way to the end. Uh, and so here is the question. So I want you to pretend that it is a hundred years from now and there is a museum inside of this museum. It's like a pop culture museum and they walk in and it's, it's a whole bunch of artifacts and things about this part of, of life that we're in this season of time right now. And they look and there's a room and the room is marked hope. They walk into the room, and inside of the room, there are, are just, just different time capsules. And there's a time capsule, and it says, Nobles Darby the Fourth. They crack it open, and it's, it's got uh, something from FCA, and it's got a picture of you with the Cavs, and a picture of you with the Browns, and, and, it, and it's, it's got a, a clergy collar, and a picture with your family, and so many amazing things. You're probably writing a book someday, so we're going to see your book in there. All <laughs> these things, and then there is this recording. Mm. And on this recording, you're going to tell everybody what it is you think and believe hope is. But before you answer that question, 
Mm-hmm. I want to thank everybody for listening. Now, have you actually left a comment yet? That's right. I I, I stopped right there. I've learned about TV. When you watch TV, they take you to the best part of the TV show. They get you real excited. And they go, let's talk about Bubba Yum Bubblegum. Um, so my question is today, have you left a comment yet about your favorite moment from today's episode? He has given us so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Have you left your comments? Have you left your thoughts? Have you shared this episode with a friend yet? If you haven't, please do make sure that you subscribe wherever you're listening to Hope Rising. Also, I want to encourage you um, just to make sure that you are checking out EWT Productions, our show sponsor. Maybe you're a person you're thinking about doing some some new work in in the audio world. Maybe uh, you've got recordings and you need them mixed and mastered. Uh, Maybe uh, you're thinking about doing a podcast yourself and you want to have somebody who's professional and reliable that you can lean on. Well, I want to encourage you to check out EWT Productions. They're going to get you an order just like they do for me. My man Jason will take care of you to the nth degree. So check out EWT Productions uh, at EWT Productions on, on social media or Jason at EWTproductions.com. If you guys are watching on YouTube, you see it there. So again, like, comment, subscribe. Now, I've given you extra time. Oh, and this man, Nobles, who is multifaceted, multi-talented, is actually the man who even created the EWT Productions logo. Because yeah. amongst other things, he can design. He told you he was a drummer. We just we just went right past that. He does all kinds of things. <laughs> and so. So I gave you enough time to really think about your answer. 100 years from now, time capsule, video, and when they watch the video, you're going to tell them what hope is to you. What is your answer? Hope is a lifeline. Hope is a lifeline. Uh, You know, when I was at my lowest, uh, at the lowest point of my life, and didn't know how I was going to uh, come up out of what I was dealing with, um, how I was going to ever get to a place where I'd have a testimony. Um, hope was the one thing that I grabbed a hold of. See, you know, so many times we, in my opinion, we speak about hope as just this this thing that's just floating around. But I believe that hope is something tangible you can literally grab onto. It's a lifeline. It's something that as long as you're willing to believe that it's there, you can reach out and touch it. And it can help pull you up out of the situation and, again, help you rise. And, and, and so what is that hope line? Hope is the, the principles and, and the wholesome values that have been instilled in you at a young age. Uh, the things that your parents and your grandparents uh, said to you all the time that you maybe didn't understand or were so annoying to you as a kid. But as you got older and you lived through some stuff. You understand, okay, I realize what my grandmother was talking about. I realize what my father was talking about. And as long as I'm willing to hold on to that wisdom, it's a lifeline that I can take advantage of to help pull me out of what I'm dealing with. And so as you think about just the life experiences that you've had, as you think about the wisdom uh, that you've received over the years, the, the, the core values and principles that you've tried your best to live your life according to, uh, you know, but they never really made sense. Uh, well, in this moment where you feel as though there is no hope, I would encourage you to look inward, to look inward, to identify and rehearse those things that you always heard growing up from those that you respected, those that you admired, to grab hold of them because they literally have the power, if you're willing to believe it, to pull you out of what you're going through. Listen, hope is the the opportunity 
Hope gives us the opportunity to remain committed to processes, challenges, and seasons, no matter how challenging they may be. I have hope for now for what I'm going to walk into later. And so hope, hold on to hope. It's a lifeline that has the power to set you free, keep you free, and also extend that lifeline to someone else as well. Hold on to hope. I'm going to let you know right now, the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Cavs, they need to hold on to you because (laughs) there is so much wisdom, so much power in the words that you give. Um, I I thank you for for holding on to your friendship with Jason uh, because um, he has been encouraged by you. And now not only have I been encouraged, but our entire audience as well. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, It has been just an incredible interview hearing your story, hearing your testimony. Um, Just continue doing what you're doing. Keep changing lives and keep letting yourself be changed in the process. I saw when your wife walked in right before the interview, that's how you can really, that's the true test, right? Um, Is when your spouse walks in and you can tell how comfortable they are with you and how much they love you and where they are. It's the true test of a man. It's not just what we accomplish, right? But it's the the hidden accomplishments behind the scenes. And I can see um, the the level of, of love and and temperament that the Lord has given you that you give to the people in your house first and then go out. So well done. Keep going. Keep doing what you're doing. And thank you so much for joining us today. It's been special. Hey, thank you guys. Absolutely. And as as always, it is just special to have each and every one of you who continues to join us. Um, I'm loving getting these messages off to the side from the people who are listening to these episodes of Hope Rising. But listen, there's a whole world of people who don't know about us yet. And I'm sure that you know somebody who needs to hear this week's testimony. So would you send this recording to somebody, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, wherever it is, send it to a friend. Make sure that that you are following the show and then again follow our sponsor follow me online at maurice f martin and then i look forward to seeing you next monday for hope rising where the unfulfilled go for fulfillment and the inspired go for inspiration we'll talk to you soon